0: Hello, good morning, Citrulo family. How are you? Good
1: morning. Good morning. God bless good you guys. Morning.
0: It's great to see you. And I am just blown away by this blessing that, you know, despite the pandemic, we, we get to see you over Zoom and chat live. This is very exciting for us. Um, but let's just talk for a few moments about the ministry that you guys are doing in, in Uruguay. Now, there's gonna be a lot of people who don't even know where Uruguay is on the map. Can you tell us where we would find you?
1: Okay, uh, Uruguay is in the South America uh, between Argentina and Brazil. Uh, we are around uh, four millions, three and a half, four million people. It's a an, an, an small country, uh, but uh, we are uh, between Argentina and Brazil.
0: So what exactly are, what is your role and what is it that you're working on right now in the moment?
1: Well, we have, yeah, we have a church uh, around uh, 60, 70 people around, um who is a miracle here in Uruguay uh, because in, in here in Uruguay, uh, the, the Christianity, I mean, is so, so low. It's the worst country around in South America and Central and North America. It's uh, the, the worst country of, of uh, Christianity. I mean, not many people are Christian here. I, I think it's around 2 or 3%. Mm. Uh, or maybe less than that.
0: How long have you been PAOC Global Workers?
1: Around 14 years.
0: 14 years. Wow. Yeah, but years. not always in Uruguay, right?
1: No, no, no. We's, yeah, you're right. Uh, we spent time in uh, uh, 10 years in Costa Rica. Okay. Uh, we spent 10 years uh, We in Costa Rica. We opened, um, well, I mean, God's opened three churches.
0: So you um, have a uh, lot of experience in planning and setting up. Yeah addictions yeah. treatment center which is the project that we want to highlight today actually we would love to know more about this addictions treatment center how did it how did the idea come to you and how is the planning going
1: yeah uh, well when we was in, in Costa Rica we have uh, I am a, um, a director of uh, a rehab center in Costa Rica so I working with them for more than 10 years uh, you know and actually in Canada. I worked so many years uh, with these uh, people, you know, with problems. And um, uh, we like to open the uh, rehab center here in Uruguay because it's uh, many, many needs. You know, I mean, many families call me, uh, Alex, when you want to open the rehab center. I mean, if I open the rehab, just say, I, I open the rehab center today. Well, we fill it up with, uh, just put the number, you know, 50. 100 people, we fill it up right away because we have, we receive so many calls, you know, eh, eh, almost every day, eh, eh, Alice when you guys going to open the rehab center, you know. Um, so
0: they're expecting, so, they're expecting.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they expecting. they expect to be open, yeah. So can you yeah. talk
0: a little bit about the need and, and why there's such a need for people calling you and reaching out to find out uh, about the programs that you offer, the counseling and the the residential program, um, what is what is sort of going on? What is the issue there?
1: Well, um, we we have here in this country uh, three kind of problems. You know, the first one is uh, uh, many people uh, practice uh, witchcraft. Okay. Okay. Many, but the second one is a uh, is addiction many you people, you know, are going to drugs, alcohol and uh, marijuana and cocaine. So, so many kids actually in, in the school, you know, uh, very young people, I mean, we're talking about uh, 14, 12 years old, you see on the roads, uh, you know, taking the, the stuff. Really, really, really bad. And so many kids, so many families are destroyed about about that because uh, here the government, you know, allowed for the last 15 years, allowed the uh, drugs like marijuana, they can free take it. I mean, they, they can take it for free. So that, that that's one of the major problems here. Uh, when we went in Costa Rica, we, we go to the roads, pick up them from the roads, you know, alcohol and addicts, all kind of addicts, and bring to the center, right? Mm. When we bring to the center, uh, we gonna give a family uh, we're going to give a, a, a warm bed, you know, a clean uh, clothes and uh, everything. So uh, we have so many good results in, in that because um, they, they see us as a family mm-hmm. and uh, they see us as a, they can come out from the drugs. But the, the more important part is when they become Christians. I mean, people, are they never heard about Jesus Christ. They become Christians. And right away, the plan is to uh, put them to study the Bible. So in, in back in Costa Rica, we have so many, become, uh, so many people become pastors.
0: Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, so many people yeah. become
1: pastors, you know. And, and then uh,
0: they can share with other people their story, yeah, right? And, yeah, yeah and open churches. So you have the space as well, right? Attached to the church, there's an area... Yeah. Uh, with the border, but you, what is missing? You need you need a little bit more of the structure to put together and the staff to put this together. Am I is that correct?
1: Yeah, we have a uh, we um we have the church. I believe I send you the pictures, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, have to share
0: the church those pictures.
1: Ah, uh, okay, nice, nice. And uh we have we do it. We wanna do that in the second floor, but on the back the uh, church we have an empty space. And uh, we like to um, uh, build an, an, a small apartment. And on the second floor, we like to build just a big, a huge room to um, okay. uh, uh, rec- yeah, you, for recreation. You know, today they, they can spend time, study the Bible, uh, uh, do so many things. Because uh, they need a uh, uh, the space to, you know what I mean? They need uh, time to relax, you know? Yeah, because absolutely. They, yeah.
0: So does that include... so? You like um, maybe a gym or craft supplies and sort of like there's a lot there's a lot to this right this is not as ma- it's not as simple as just having four walls and a roof you're gonna need things to share the gospel and to use that energy and and really with a plan pull them away from the drugs and addiction um, there needs to be a bit of a process and supplies. And I can imagine that that can be a bit overwhelming. Um, We know you've seen in Costa Rica and I've seen in other countries as well that God is quite capable of doing that. Um, But it definitely takes a village, doesn't it, to work together. So can you tell me as a church, as Woodville, is there anything that we can do to help you? Where are the needs and what can we do to help?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, uh, First, uh, we need uh, you guys pray for us because uh, this is a really huge uh, project. project you know i mean uh, taking people from the road and you have to be prepared for this because it's uh i mean i am a psychology but i have another guy um, psychology too uh, they're going to help us to 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 the process for this because they need they need of like, like psychology too you know i mean therapies and all the kind of stuff you know so uh, first, we need God to pray and open doors for us you know, in, in every way, uh, to strategics, you know, how, how, how we know already, but uh, we open, you know, say, Alex, uh, you better do, if you do this, and uh, we can do this in better ways, so we are open, you know, for all, all the others, you know, and see, see what's going to happen. But also, uh, in other words, we need, um, we need uh, you know, so far, um, we know got uh, nothing yet, but uh, uh, you know, for, uh, for the center, uh, we need we need that the, the buy the, the beds and everything. You all know, the
0: equipment.
1: All, all the equipment. yeah. The, yeah. yeah all,
0: so, so, what is have, that budget? What does that look like? Have you worked out a budget, an overall budget to get started?
1: To get it, to get it started uh, to buy all the things, just to get it started, is around uh, twenty five thousand to buy all the things. We're talking about sheets uh, uh, everything a uh, kitchen everything everything right so many things a thousand things we gotta buy but and also uh, 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 it's around because we, ha- we have we had to uh, uh, take around three three people to help us you know because it's three shifts so we gotta pay them and uh, it's around yeah it's, a, it's around uh, 6 thousand Canadian dollars a month
0: Wow yeah
1: yeah. And,
0: and,
1: yeah yeah it's not easy but I believe um, God is gonna is gonna help us he's gonna open some doors and and see you I mean you know it's, it's gonna be hard but uh mm-hmm. you know we, we love to do this and, and like I told you we see how how life changed after they receive uh, love remember these people coming they are um, they are people uh, uh, killing some other people, you know, I mean, we have a hitman's too. We have uh, people uh robes, you know. So when when, when the Holy Spirit changed these lives, you know, and coming to the family, because many of them, they got divorced, you know, many of them, they have three or four kids already in, in their houses, you know. So it's, it's bad, it's, it's really sad, it's really sad. But the results, I mean, they are going to be
0: very nice. Yeah. We sometimes yeah. forget, I think, that, you know, when we live in a country where there may be supports for um, whether it's government support or a home, um, I think sometimes we forget that there's people who don't have those supports. They don't have help with their children, feeding their children, or, you know, once there's this addiction in place, then that becomes, they they need somebody for guidance and to journey with them and share them the gospel, right? So it's nothing short of a miracle when God, when God changes those lives. And we so appreciate you guys being on the front lines and, opening up your hearts with us, sharing your plan with us, and just being so humble about this. We will absolutely be praying and we hope to help financially as well.
1: Uh, well, you. we want to say uh, a huge thanks. Thank uh, you. Thank uh, you, yeah, you so much. Thank you so much. You don't have any idea how much I uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. And we uh, don't
0: feel alone when we hear from yeah. that church. We feel, in, oh, God is with us. We know that, but when he sent people like that, uh, We're feeling, wow, he is with us. So thank you so much, Church. Thank you so much for your time and for everything you guys doing for us. Thank you.
2: Hi there, Woodville. My name is Matthew and along with Amber, my wife and our four kids, we live in Bangkok, Thailand. Now, for us we believe that god elevates and he alleviates he builds us up as individuals as families as marriages as communities he elevates us brings us to something better he also alleviates he takes away suffering be it mental emotional spiritual or physical but he makes us better and everything that we do we desire to both elevate and alleviate when we first moved to thailand from you know our apartment window having our morning cup of coffee we would notice these trucks, uh, cages on wheels essentially, making their way down the road, always in the same direction, always around the same time of day, usually packed full of people in the back. And of course, we were curious to know, what is this, what are these trucks, where are they going, who are these people? And so we began to ask around. Little by little, through conversations, through internet research, through meeting different people, we began to understand that these trucks were from the immigration police. They had gone out to do morning raids and they were transporting refugees from these raids towards an immigration detention center. In fact, Bangkok's largest immigration detention center is just down the street from where we live. And so these refugees were being taken to an IDC and their lives were about to change, and not in a good way. Under Thai law, there's no recognition of the rights for refugees. Thailand didn't sign the convention for the recognition of refugee rights or any of the other international laws that surround it. As such, there's been a really big gray area, a gap in Thai law on how to handle those who are asylum seekers or seeking refugee status. Now, people have spent all their money to get here. They've probably burned a lot of relational bridges to get here, but there's no mechanism within the country to help move people forward. So they just end up stuck. They're here in Bangkok. They don't know anybody. There's nowhere for them to go. And so they hunker down and they begin to make a life here. Now, because they've overstayed their tourist visa, technically they've broken immigration law. And so to act as a deterrent, to stop this large number of people from coming into Thailand, hoping for resettlement, the government opened up things called immigration detention centers. Currently there's 22 IDCs around the country. Some of them look very much like prisons. Some of them are more like camps, especially along the border and in some of those regions. But there are 22 IDCs around the country and nobody knows how many people exactly are within this system. With no laws to help move people on and no protection, immigration rounds people up in large raids and puts them into the IDC system. And once you're in, it's incredibly difficult to get out. The IDCs were originally built thinking that people would be arrested, detained, and then very quickly deported. They were were designed to have a quick turnaround, but that's not the reality of how they've worked. Personally, I met a man from Afghanistan and he's been in the IDC for 12 years now. Long stay situations have really changed the conditions within the IDC. People are separated when they're detained based on gender lines, so husbands and wives aren't kept together. You could have a dad and his daughters separated or a mom and her son separated. For moms that have kids that are minors that are under the age of majority, uh, it used to be that they were separated as well. Now there's a shelter system within the IDC, so moms and their young children can be detained together. Of course, there is also an MOU that's in process that hopefully will see the end of child detention altogether as we explore some alternatives to detention. Because these IDCs weren't built for people to be in there for a long period of time, the conditions in there are harsh. You have to imagine a cell with no no air conditioning, no windows. I mean, we're going into hot season right now. It's 37, 40 degrees outside here right now. Uh, You have to imagine in a room now where it's so full of people, they have to take turns sleeping because there isn't enough space for everybody to lay down at the exact same time. I think we can also agree that human nature, when put in harsh conditions for long periods of time, we often don't see the best of people come out. And so when you think about all those things that your mind might race to, when you think about people in hard conditions for really extended periods of time, uh, that's all true. There There are terrible things that happen inside the IDC. And the way that people go in is often not how they come out. To get out of the IDC is a wonderful thing. And to do so, you need three things. You need to have a plan. You need to have some kind of transition plan that the government has looked at and been like, yes, we believe that once you are out, you are going to be well set up, well taken care of. You need to have a guarantor, a Thai citizen, who is willing to take legal responsibility to be liable for you a lot of work for that person, actually. And you need to have bail money. With these three things, you can get out. You can make your case on why you should no longer be detained within an IDC. Obviously, these three things make bail virtually inaccessible for most refugees who don't have a Thai friend that they can call on to be their guarantor, who don't have access to funds of that, of that size, and who can't navigate a very bureaucratic system all in Thai uh where the paperwork makes it very daunting to get out helping people land well once they're out is a key piece to this and that's something where amber and i and a number of other people and organizations help out where it's helping people not just get out but then have a life here We work with a number of NGOs and CSOs. There's a whole network of supports that are here for refugees within Bangkok. Through our relational network with people that we trust very much, we are able to do the plan, the paperwork to get people out. We have a number of guarantors of lovely people who are willing to take on the legal responsibility of these refugees once they're out. What we need are the funds to be able to post bail. It's about 50,000 baht, which is roughly 2,200 Canadian dollars to be able to post bail for a single person. Now, a great thing is that if children are a minor, then the parent or legal guardian, their bail is enough. We don't have to post bail for each one of the kids. It can be a mom and her children for just the price of the mother's bail. Another wonderful thing about bail is that one day we do hope that families are resettled, they move on to other opportunities, and as they leave this bail release detainee system, that bail is returned back to us and we are then able to use it. So the money that you put into bail doesn't just help one family now, it could be able to help multiple people over long periods of time as the cycle ebbs and flows before you give i want you to prepare yourself that we are not talking instant results but this could be a journey of months before we're able to get people out using your money it's worth it it's absolutely worth it but i want you to know that we're going to journey together on this one woodville i'm going to be very clear i want your money i need your finances to make this happen we can do this We need your money to make it happen, and I make no apologies for that. More than your finances, we need your prayers, and there are three key things that I would love for you to be praying with us. So if you could please be praying for those who are in detention, their families and loved ones on the outside, and for a champion who would be willing to push forward with us from within the system. God loves refugees. I believe firmly that there is a soft spot, a big part of God's heart that is for refugees. Jesus, during his time on earth, he talked often about those who had no voice, who had no status, who had no legal rights, who had no social covering in any form. The widow, the foreigner, the child, the orphan. These groups, they had no place in society because of their status. A widow without her husband, a foreigner who wasn't a Roman citizen, who couldn't speak in any kind of civic situation, a child who without a legal guardian was considered property, less than property, they had no voice, no way forward, no autonomy, no ability to direct their own future. And Jesus very clearly implores us as his kids to give a voice, to give a platform to people that are voiceless, to protect those who would otherwise be preyed upon, who are marginalized, to also stand up for and champion their rights, their contributions, their value in society. Our work with refugees is not this idea that we have so much to offer them and they have nothing in return, it's not true. We have access to opportunities and resources that they don't, but we learn daily. From our friends in the refugee community who are talented and gifted and amazing and have overcome things that we can't even relate to and they're not amazing because they're brave they're brave because they've had to be but they've been amazing all along we believe very much that god celebrates he rejoices in work with refugees to see his kids all kids regardless of legal status experience that elevation and alleviation that he brings to everyone. And so I say thank you, because I believe that your work, your contribution, your investment in refugees, isn't just one where it's a nice thing to do. It is actually God's heart in motion, his desire for his kids, put into action. And I believe that we play a role in all of that. So thank you a thousand times over for being willing to invest your prayers and your finances in the lives of people who you may never meet, you may never know their names, you may never know the impact that you've had. But it's significant and it's real and it's life-changing and all of it points back to the fact that there is a very big God who loves them very much. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you a thousand times over for believing in the value worth and future of refugees.
3: We are so grateful for the Prices and the Citrulos. They're making a difference for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but my heart is very very moved with what they are doing to set captives free. We're grateful that we're a part of a church that has a heart for missions to see disciples being made around the world and to think that God put a call on these families to go and to do and to share the love of Jesus Christ. They're making a huge sacrifice. My prayer today is that we as a church could be a kingdom blessing to these missionaries to see what they are doing to advance the kingdom of God. My prayer today is that through the sutrules, this this addiction center would be built and, and God would use it to set captives free. My prayer today is that God would use Matthew and Amber Price to see these people set free as refugees. God has a heart for this, and you, Woodville, have a heart for this. And I want to challenge you as your pastor to be so generous today. I want to thank you for your ongoing giving of missions above your regular tithes, which helps us to support these 24 and now 26 global workers. But today, I'm inviting you to step it above your missions giving, to give sacrificially so that we can see $50,000 towards these amazing projects. And so today, if you feel the Lord prompting you to give, I want you to go to the church website, and I want to invite you to go and click there and to, to designate your giving towards Missions Project 2021 Missions Project 2021, and what you give towards that is going to help these two amazing causes. I think we need to bow our heads, and I want to lead you in prayer for the prices for the Satrulos that God would use them greatly. So Father God, I thank you for the Satrulos, the prices. You have placed them strategically in the right place at the right time, and they are making a difference for the kingdom of God. We pray, God, that you would encourage these missionary families. We pray, God, that you would release your anointing on them, in them, and through them. We pray, God, that every dollar would be raised, that we as a church in Canada can be used to see captives set free. We pray, God, for Uruguay. We pray for Thailand. We pray for revival. We pray, God, as we've heard today in Uruguay, such a a small percentage of Christians, we pray for revival in Uruguay. We pray people will be set free from addictions and people will be set free from their sin. We pray, God, for Thailand, that you would do a great work through the crisis. Thank you, Lord, for these missionaries. Thank you, God, for this amazing church family called Woodvale. They are such a generous church. I thank you, God, that we have postured ourselves to live life as a church with an open hand. We have been so blessed. And now today, God, help us to be a great blessing. We ask this, we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.